You're now listening to Jesus is the Truth with Ashley Moore from Obey Christ. May God bless you. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of Jesus is the Truth. Um, I'm happy you guys are joining me today in this talk about deliverance and the price (laughs) for deliverance. I think this is a really important topic, especially in 2023, uh, where we have more digital ministers than physical churches. And that's no diss. I mean, look at me. You're listening to a quote unquote, I guess, digital minister right now. I'm ministering the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ and I'm using a digital platform to do that. (laughs) So obviously I'm not dissing people who do this. I'm not dissing my fellow creatives, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are spreading the gospel this way. But I am pointing out what I think needs to be addressed in this hour as it regards deliverance and the means by which one can be delivered. While I understand the allure as it regards um, paying someone for a private deliverance session or uh, to be a part of, I guess, a very small group of people, uh, you know, taking part in deliverance in a deliverance session and, uh, you know, just basically uh, paying for this service of being healed, delivered, set free, breakthrough, all these things or experiencing a breakthrough, um, with a guidance and counsel and help from a, an experienced and anointed minister. I understand the allure. I totally get it again, especially in this digital age we live in right now where, (laughs) Uh, there are a lot of televangelists is what I want to say, but it's not through television. It's now through social media. So social media evangelists, I guess, is the best term. Uh, and again, there's no no diss to them. I, I actually follow a lot of them and respect, uh, you know, respect them greatly. The ones that I, I follow and um, yeah, no diss to them. Or anything like that, but I want to make something very clear. The only thing you need, the only thing that's required to experience deliverance, to receive deliverance from God is a sincere heart that is open and that is genuinely repentant, literally broken because it's so repentant uh, before God. I actually have a personal testimony I'm going to share with you guys towards the end of this uh, episode. So I want you guys to stick around. And I obviously want you guys to always stick around towards the end of the episode, you guys. I um I tend to have a, a lengthy intro in the beginning. <laughs> and then I, I go into my, I, I mention the scriptures that I'm going to reference. And then I get into like more so my, my thoughts 
and I share with you guys any testimonies I have and things like that towards the end of the episode. So it's always a good idea to stick around to the very end, you guys. Like you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna get, what you're gonna hear <laughs> in my messages when I get towards the end. I'm just saying. Because of the times that we're living in, I just want people to be reminded of the original source of deliverance, okay? And the original source of healing. And again, I okay, now I have to give another disclaimer. <laughs> um, I am not saying we shouldn't have a home church. We should definitely have a home church. I do uh, strongly encourage you to be planted somewhere, planted in a ministry that you can call home in the sense that uh, that person is your spiritual father and mother and they uh they can keep a covering over you in the spirit realm so um and it actually says here in my notes as a part of the introduction that um the pastors and apostles and ministers who charge for these services services like deliverance healing and uh you know healing like a session where they like host a session whether it's with just one individual like one-on-one or it's a group a small group of people wanting the same thing, whether it's healing or deliverance or whatever the case is. I'm not saying that these pastors and apostles and ministers who charge for these services don't have a right to charge for the services. I believe they they do have a right actually to charge for their time. But guys, I'm just using the word service for lack of a better term. I'm not trying to make it sound like deliverance and healing is like this commodity that can be sold and traded on the stock market. I'm I'm saying I'm just using the word service for a lack of a better term. What I'm trying to say is I I feel like it's fine for the people to charge for their time. I know I charge for my time. Um especially when you have people today who want the convenience of meeting when they want to meet up like and having things scheduled according to their calendar uh, for when they can get help with things like deliverance and things like that so when you have that sort of mentality going into it not to say you won't get any results that's not the direction I'm going in but I am trying to say I can understand the I can understand why the person would charge uh, because you're trying to fit them into your schedule, basically. I'm just saying that it's important to remember that Jesus is the original source. The Holy Spirit is the source. So uh, what's awesome about the Holy Spirit is that he's everywhere. God is omnipresent and uh, he's omniscient and he's all powerful. So what what source do you think the minister, the apostle, the evangelist, the deliverance minister, what source do you think they're pulling from? What source do you think they're leaning on? What source do you think they have access to that enables them to to help you in that way, to help you get delivered, to help you get set free, to help you reach a breakthrough? I'm just here to remind those of you who may not have the money or resources or access to uh to get into these private sessions and and to uh, pay um, the the popular apostle on Instagram and uh, Facebook again no diss I know I have a very dry tone 
a sarcastic tone most of the time. And I do, I have been told mo- uh, most of my life that it sounds like most of what I say is sarcastic because of my tone. So I can I understand that. But in this case, I'm being genuine when I say a lot of people don't have access to the most popular social media evangelists, deliverance minister, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I understand completely uh, those of you that may not have access or those of you who don't have the funds to schedule an appointment to get help in this area from a minister, apostle, an evangelist that you look up to or that you follow on social media. So I get it. And uh, yeah, this message is dedicated to you. And again, I do have a testimony. So yeah, please stick around until the end so that you guys can hear my personal testimony and know that I'm not just talking to be talking. Like I'm I'm speaking from experience. So first, let's lay some much needed foundation here. (laughs) And um, I'm going to, of course, reference some scriptures. So yeah, guys, feel free to follow along in your Bibles. I'm going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. Just to give some context before I get into the first passage, we all have done things. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done things. We all have sinned. We've done things that led to an open door in our lives to the enemy uh, to gain access and afflict us or cause harm or whatever the case, whether known or whether knowingly or, or unknowingly, we've all been there. And um, I do want to touch on that just a little bit as it pertains to how that happens and the cause uh, for basically sin in our lives, when sin does enter into one's life, how it comes about. And it starts with the disobedience, you guys. It always, it always comes from that. Because the Lord, he, he provides commandments and ordinances and instruction that he wants us to follow and adhere to for our own safety and protection, And to guide us to uh, a safe place, a prosperous place, a a place of prosperity, a place of peace overall, and of life, abundant life. And when we don't follow his instructions, his commandments, his ordinances, the opposite is the result. So the opposite of all those wonderful things I just listed, what's the opposite of that? (laughs) Okay, calamity, destruction, death, uh, turmoil, um, you name it. It's a bunch of garbage, a bunch of junk, a bunch of foolishness, a bunch of evil, a bunch of wickedness. Okay, those are the results of disobedience. Not because God wants to ruin your life and to shut down your party. It's because anything that is not in alignment with God is opposing God. And if it's in opposition with God, it is going to be in a dark place automatically. It's just the way it is. So I'm just going to touch on that just a little bit then into how we can come back to the Lord because ultimately we can come back to the Lord. Amen. As long as you have life, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you guys, you have an opportunity to repent. You have an opportunity to turn back 
to God. Well, we have got to study our Bible. There's so many reasons why. There's so many reasons why. But um, for the, for the, I guess, purposes of this message in particular, one of the reasons why is so that we can understand what to avoid or what what we should avoid um and so that we can understand the consequences of not following god's orders right so um as well as obviously understanding his commandments to begin with because he's very clear on what's on what his commandments are he's very clear on the things that we ought to focus on on the things that we ought to prioritize and uh the the expectations that he has for us as well um and the and the responsibilities that we are to to carry out. So in order to have an understanding of this, guys, we have to study the word of God. All right. So having said all of that, let's go ahead into uh, Deuteronomy chapter four, and I'm going to read verses 23 through 31. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. Okay, this is so important, guys. I do plan to do a separate message on idol worship uh, in the Catholic Church and um, all the other uh, religions as well, although I will not dive into them in terms of like detailing all the specifics regarding idol worship with other religions outside of the Catholic Church because the reason why I want to focus on the Catholic Church in particular in my message is because I feel like the deception is on a different level with the Catholic Church because they claim Christianity so I will be um, addressing that in a future message happily and with zeal (laughs) okay but let's get back to this uh, message and, and for today today's message I'm just gonna read pick it back up in the middle of that first verse in the middle of verse 23 where it says do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden for the Lord your God is a consuming fire a jealous God after you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time He's referring to the promised land. This is Moses addressing the crowd, addressing the nation of Israel uh, before they enter the promised land. So he's given them a few more uh, reminders and warnings um, prior to them, you know, crossing over uh, into the promised land. Again, verse 25 here in in Deuteronomy chapter four. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you there you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone which cannot see or hear or eat um I think it says smell but I'm turning the page here or smell yeah um uh, and then it says here in verse 29 but if 
From there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. <laughs> that is so true. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors which he confirmed to them by oath. Okay, so guys, I just want to speak to this, um, what Moses said, not all of you, but I know a lot of Christians, quote unquote, um, <laughs> uh, like to dismiss the Old Testament altogether. They don't, uh, they just, I don't know, maybe are afraid of the God of the Old Testament or, um, they or people have different reasons some say it's because they just basically don't think it's relevant uh after jesus came and died on the cross and resurrected and tore the veil i plead with you and i say please don't you know ignore the old testament go back read the old testament for some of you maybe you've never read it i don't know if you've never read it definitely go and read it starting with Genesis all the way through read it so that you can understand the character of God because he said he is the same yesterday today and forever so he does not change the fact that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins was an act of mercy but it's not because he changed his likes and dislikes or his holiness and level of holiness. The devil's a liar. So I digress from that point. But I do want to make a mention uh, that having, you know, said what I just said about the Old Testament. I want to make a mention to the fact that although Moses is talking here about uh, basically saying after going to the promised land, if the Israelites decide to forget the ordinances and commandments, uh, of, of the Lord that basically evil will come upon them. Okay. So he's explaining what will happen, that there will be division. They'll be scattered about. They'll go into foreign lands, uh, worshiping gods that are handmade. So worshiping basically idols made of wood, made of stone and <laughs> idols that cannot hear, see, or smell. They'll do these things if you notice, he mentioned after neglecting or um, after making a decision to no longer follow what the Lord told them to do, these things will happen as a result. So as a result of their disobedience from what the Lord told them to do, here are the following things that you can expect to happen. And you know what? This isn't far removed at all, guys. This is actually true to this day. And um, I can prove it to you because the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance a scripture from the New Testament, where I believe it's Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Okay, Apostle Paul's on his tour. And I don't know if he was in Rome speaking to the Romans or in um, Corinth, but I believe it was Romans. <laughs> I, I will put it on the screen, you guys. And I have to remind myself, I have, I have to remember to actually put it on the screen. Those of you who are listening in podcast land, feel free to visit the YouTube channel to see on the screen what passage I'm referring to. But basically the point is he's warning them that the Lord will turn people over to a reprobate mind. So when people will get involved in sin and they 
self-indulge to the extent where they just completely forget the Lord's ordinances and they just basically want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. So they're no longer listening to God. They're no longer following his or his uh commandments in any sense. They don't want anything to do with the Lord's commandments and they just embrace this lifestyle of sin. What Apostle Paul, what he wanted to to explain to the believers during that time and warn them about was the fact that the Lord will eventually lift his hand off of that person's life. He'll lift the hand off your life. If you decide to do wrong, if you decide to embrace sin, uh, the Lord is not going to force you into a relationship with him and he will take his hand off of you. And then he'll let you go on and do whatever it is you want to do. And this is what it looks like doing some wild, wicked stuff and calling it right. That's what you call a reprobate mind. And that's just me summarizing. So I just want to let you guys know what Moses is saying here. Uh, is true to this day. He's basically saying there's consequences for your disobedience. Um, whenever you decide not to repent, whenever you decide to, to go your own way and uh, neglect and refuse to obey the commandments of our Lord, there are consequences for your disobedience. And that's he's giving examples of what some of those consequences will entail. And uh, he speaks about them basically being scattered among the land and the fact that they're going to perish. Verse 29 says, but if from there you seek the Lord, your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days, you will return to the Lord, your God, and obey him. For your Lord, your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. Here Moses is prophesying what will happen when people forget God's commandments and they go their own way and then basically calamity hits, destruction comes their way. And as a result of the of their idol worship, then their disobedience at the end of it all, when they've had enough, they will eventually come back to the Lord and the Lord will accept them with open arms because he is a loving and merciful God that is faithful and he wants ultimately to help and to save. And, um, so yeah, so Moses is basically prophesying this and, uh, and he's in the prophecy of, of course is a warning. So it's twofold. And, uh, <laughs> those are always powerful. Okay, guys. So now that I've laid a little bit of foundation as regards to the, the things that cause one to, required uh, deliverance, the things that lead up to one being in a position that now they're being afflicted by all of these demons and they have um, all of this, all of these terrible things happening in their life. And now they want 
to and they need deliverance and they want to um, basically hear from God. So we're going to move on to Joel because ultimately in this message, what I want is for you guys to take away some understanding. Thank you, Jesus, of how the Lord can meet you just where you are in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, wherever you are comfortable at, wherever you, uh, wherever you are, wherever you find your, yourself, uh, when you're in that place of repentance, you don't have to wait to get on someone's calendar. You don't have to wait to save up money in order to afford to schedule an appointment with such and such in order to get deliverance. While those are wonderful opportunities, and I'm sure with Holy Spirit filled individuals, I'm not saying that it's, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to get involved in those sort of sessions with those with ministers and things like that. What I'm saying is it's not necessary. And again, I'm going to get into it as far as some instructions uh, so that way you guys can see it in the Bible. I'm not making this up. This is not my opinion. And that's why I love to found, to uh, use scripture in my messages because this is not about me. It's not about my opinion or my, you know, I guess my theories or whatever. It's ultimately about what God has to say about a thing, what God has to say what he said about it because whatever he said is what it is period so you got to get to that point um you got to get to the and I'm guys I'm going to get to the scripture I'm just going to make this little last note you got to get to that point to where you truly believe in your whole heart that whatever God said is the reality it's the truth and when you get when you accept that that's when your life will change literally forever because now you're really on like you're really walking with God now okay you know and so he's like okay finally now I can take you where where I need you to be now I can take you where I see you (laughs) not where you see you not where you see you not where your friends see you not the little box that they put you in not the box you put yourself in due to your insecurities but where I see you according to how I knit you together according to how I made you with the purpose already put inside of you to do the thing I I have for you to do anyway okay let's move on to the next verse it says here Joel 2 and 2 12 so Joel chapter 2 verse 12 guys I love this passage so much so much so I actually for those of you who have been around for a while you know this I actually have a crew neck with this passage on the sleeve it's repentant or the repent crew neck and it has a a sad face on the front um that's I think I think I have teardrops like it's crying as well and uh it's basically expressing sorrow um and a repentant heart and uh again it is it has this this exact passage on the sleeve again I'm in Joel chapter 2 verse 12 and it reads even now and I love that I just take that in right there even now so that right there just travels through time that phrase is so powerful it travels through time and I that's what I love most about it and uh 
a lot of passages in the Bible are, are worded in a way where it could do that easily as well, which is, is I, of course, I believe, um, intentional. So even now declares the Lord return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Mourning is deep sorrow. Mourning is deep sorrow and regret. These are instructions from the Lord. Don't take it lightly, okay? Next, we have Joel chapter 2, verse 13, where it says, Rend your heart, not your garments. Rend, God's means to tear or to rip. In the Old Testament, it was customary for um, for the people to rip their garments. They would rend their garments whenever they were expressing deep sorrow, uh, regret, or um, yeah, anything like this. Sorrow, regret, uh, repentance, um, any that, that that was a way they would show it out outwardly. Right. Um, but the Lord, he sees the heart. And we're going to get into that just now. Not to say that they didn't have the heart as well. A lot of them did. But as you can see, OK, let me just finish reading the scripture. So it says here, Joel uh, chapter two, verse 13, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. OK, so now that I finished reading the verse, um, what I was trying to say was this scripture is not to say that, you know, people from that time were not also repentant and sorrowful in their heart because I'm sure many were but and 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 a lot of this a lot of what I'm going to say was addressed in the New Testament as well where when Jesus was teaching about hypocrites and things like that and the Pharisees uh, because it did get to a point where a lot of the this this outwardly expression such as ripping the garments and things like that it became so customary that it, it became religious in and of itself and the heart wasn't in it the heart was not in it when really <laughs> um the the idea is that the heart is supposed to be in it it was just supposed to be like an additional outwardly expression so the lord addresses that again the new testament but also here in joel the lord is addressing that issue head on he's like look tear your heart, like rip your heart, not your clothing. I want to see a broken heart when I, when I look at you and it's not, <laughs> and guys, that does not mean he wants to see you just pathetic, pitiful, and just depressed. No, you have to listen with a spiritual ear. Those who have an ear, I pray you hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. He wants you to come to him with a broken heart. A broken heart is a heart that is vulnerable that is open and accessible you'll often hear about when people get out of relationships have you heard I know you guys have heard that saying where uh, if a person is newly divorced or maybe they've just lost a loved one and they're still mourning the death of a loved one or maybe they just got out they're fresh out of a of really long term a long term relationship or whatever the case and you'll hear that you're you'll hear people say oh she's really vulnerable right now like just give her some time or he is really vulnerable right now 
she took advantage of him in his state of vulnerability because he just got out of a relationship or he just lost uh, his child or his mother or whatever the case. We hear that a lot. And guys, it's because it all connects back to the heart. So that person's heart is broken because they lost a loved one, because they just ended a, a, a relationship with someone they love, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on. Okay, the list goes on. There are many examples out there. But my point is, the Lord is telling you, come to me with a broken heart, because that's the only heart I can access for real. As long as you have all them guards up, I can't do nothing with that. But not only are you not sincere, but it's showing me you don't trust me. It's not until I have, and the Holy Spirit is speaking, I feel the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. It's not until you present yourself with a broken heart that I can move, truly. And when you have a broken heart, (laughs) wow, you're not concerned with how you look. You're not concerned with whether or not you cry, you're not concerned with any of that stuff because you're you're so deeply and sincerely regretful or in a state of mourning and and feeling such deep sorrow that now I'm I'm getting to that root. I like you you're, you've left you've presented yourself wide open to me. And and listen with a spiritual ear, guys. Because that's what that's where the Lord operates in the spirit, right? We're told uh, also the Lord has commanded us to to worship him in spirit and in truth. So you'll hear this all throughout the Bible because it's really important to the Lord. Be sincere, be truthful, be genuine. Okay, sincere heart. Present yourself with a sincere heart to me. In spirit and in truth. See, he doesn't care about the outward appearance. He doesn't care about really any of your accolades, any of your accolades. He doesn't care about all the stuff that people care about when they see you. Your car, your 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 outfit, your hair, and all these things. He's looking at your heart. That's the part he, he cares about. That's the starting point. And it's honestly the most important when it comes to maintaining a a genuine, sincere relationship with Jesus. I'm going to move on, you guys. Okay, so it says here, um, and guys, I just have a few more passages to read. Um, So it says here in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. So again, it's showing you got to be vulnerable. Okay. Those who are hiding and concealing their sins and um, things that they've done, especially before the Lord. Okay. Uh, they're not going to prosper. They're not. That, that means to say in the spirit, in your walk with God, in any potential relationship with Jesus, any salvation, you're not going to prosper in any of that if you can't even confess that you've done wrong. You won't even acknowledge it. What can God do with that? Okay, next we have Daniel chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. I'm making a point here uh, and that is 
um, not only to demonstrate to you guys the instructions the Lord has presented to us to adhere to as regards fasting and praying, as it regards um, deliverance or receiving deliverance and healing. And uh, yeah, so just keep that in mind. Again, we're in Daniel chapter nine, verses one through six. It says in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Again, sorrow expressing sorrow deep sorrow the sackcloth and ashes the the ripping of the garments these were things they did to express great sorrow deep sorrow and regret and it says in verse four i prayed to the lord my god and confessed lord the great and awesome god who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments i love this Guys, there's so many lessons right here in this passage. Oh, I'm, 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 I need to show, I'm showing restraint. Okay. I'm showing restraint right now by not like stopping and talking about every verse. Okay. Verse five, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Okay, so that's the end of that passage in Daniel that I wanted to read to you guys. And what I want you to take away from that particular passage is the fact that Daniel knew he had to fast. If he wanted to see a change, he had to get before the Lord and repent with a repentant heart, confess his sins to the Lord. So he presented himself in a state of fasting. Okay. So they mentioned that in the beginning, he was fasting. He was petitioning God. Okay. And he was, he had an, a repentant heart. It's, it states where he is. And if you go on to read the rest of chapter nine in Daniel, You'll notice he goes on and on explaining the things, all the wrong. He's basically confessing. He's acknowledging the wrong that was done. I noticed that he's he's doing this not only on his behalf, but on behalf of the people he's praying for. Uh, so that's a whole nother level. <laughs> that's what's up. But uh, yeah, so notice just take I want you to make mental notes of these points because they're really important. These are from men of God, you guys. These men of God who who went on to do amazing things for the kingdom of heaven, who were used mightily, okay, by God for the glory of the Lord and for the edification of the kingdom of heaven. So these men, they, they know what they're talking about. They know what they were doing. So it's important that we take note 
And that's why I included the passage in this message. Next, I have Mark 4 for the sake of time. Let me just keep it moving because I could just rest right here. I could take a rest stop right here and just talk and talk. But let's go to uh, Mark 4. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Okay, I'm just going to stop here as it concerns Jesus fasting, because I love to reference this. If you know me personally, you've heard me say this so many times when it comes to fasting, because I don't know what it is. And I used to be there. I used to have this thought process at least. Um, and I didn't necessarily vocalize it, but I showed it in my actions and in my lack of fasting. Um, I don't thank God. I don't do this anymore. Thank God. I, I do take it more seriously now. It's important guys to remember that we, we ought to be fasting as as believers and as Christians, as people who claim to love the Lord and to serve the Lord, we ought to be fasting regularly, regularly uh, throughout the year. I just want to specify that because <laughs> regularly, I guess, could be kind of relative <laughs> and people could just be like, okay, regularly. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, regularly throughout the year. Okay. And, um, I like to use, I, I like to reference this passage where Jesus is fasting and it shows Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And mind you, this was literally right after he uh, was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't understand how one could read that and then not think they don't have to fast or that it's not important or necessary or required or like I'm not here to say you're not saved if you're not fasting I'm not I don't I'm not here to say that uh, um but I am here to say uh if you are holy spirit filled you should be convicted and you should be led to fast regularly because that's what the holy spirit led Jesus to do immediately like immediately so I'm just saying that's the same Holy Spirit that's dwelling on the inside of us today. Amen. And if we have the Holy Spirit, well, we should be, guys, honestly, we should be moving in a lot of similar ways as, as the men of old, as the men of God of old and the women of God of old. And when I say of old, I'm referring to the old days. <laughs> so uh, times past, like, you know, the quote unquote Bible days or whatever, like it's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same holiness. It's the same holy standard. It's the same commandments. It's the same ordinances, you guys. It's the same God. Ugh, I could just talk on and on about this. I really could. And I'm showing restraint right now. And I'm going to move on to Mark. <laughs> I'm going to move on to Mark chapter 9 verses 25 through 29. And it says here, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. I should have gave you guys a little bit of context to give you all a little bit of context. Uh, some of you already are familiar with this story. It's when the man comes desperately to the disciples to help uh, to help him in delivering his son so he wants he he was seeking deliverance on the behalf of his uh son who was afflicted by a demon 
um, that caused him to that caused the boy great suffering. Uh, just to summarize, it did uh, show up in physical manifestations. Uh, the boy would be flung around and and uh, it was clear that demon wanted to destroy the boy, trying to drown him and fling him. And I think if I'm not mistaken, even into fire and into like fire to burn him and into water to drown the little boy and just causing the boy a lot of physical harm and uh, things like this. So anyway, the father was seeking healing and deliverance on behalf of his son. The disciples could not deliver the little boy of the demon that was afflicting him. And so Jesus came and delivered the little boy. So there is your, there's your uh, context. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and reread this now that you have that context. It says, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, they're referring to the demon uh, and what he did to the little boy as he was coming out after Uh, after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So the most of them said he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Amen. So that's important to note, you guys. I'll come back to that in a second. I'm not, but I hope you're noticing a pattern here when it comes to approaching God in a repentant state. I hope you're noticing some of the some patterns throughout all these passages I've been reading. Um, now I'm in Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen, and it says, "If my people, who are called by my name," shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Did you hear the conditions? Yep, there are conditions. There are conditions, uh, to be forgiven. There are. People don't talk about it enough. The conditions for being forgiven. Um, another condition is forgiving others. The scripture, I believe, goes like this. I don't know where in the Bible it is, guys. I'll have to put it on the screen. But the scripture goes something like this. Forgive others so that your father in heaven will forgive you. So it's a, it's a brief scripture, but it's clear. It's to the point. And I love that it's brief like that because it leaves very little room for misinterpretation. Forgive others. Okay, so forgive people who offend you. um, People who have wronged you. Forgive them so that your father in heaven can forgive you. This is important to keep in mind. And then here we have again. 
conditions that the Lord ex- expresses. So the conditions that the Lord outlines in order for you to receive forgiveness from him um, and in order for him to heal your land in order. So in order to receive forgiveness, in order to receive healing, deliver you out your situation, deliver the land, the heal your land. Okay. There are conditions. Humble yourself, pray, seek his face, turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear you from heaven. I will hear you from heaven. I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. So next we have first John chapter one, verse nine, where it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There we have again, another condition. If you confess guys, in order to confess, you have to first have humility. So if you notice being humbling yourself and confessing, those are they're almost like used interchangeably throughout these passages. Humble yourself. Confess your sins. Come to me with weeping, sorrow. Come to me with mourning, with weeping and fasting. All of these things, guys, require humility. Next we have, uh, and guys, I'm almost done with the scriptures. <laughs> but I hope you're noticing why I, I included them. And you're understanding the relevance. Uh, Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Therefore repent and return. Repent and return. So that your sins may be wiped away. In order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. But in order to get that refreshing... In order to be forgiven, what do you have to do first? Repent and return. And in order to repent, in order to return again, it requires a level of humility. Okay, so guys, I have two scriptures left. So we're wrapping it up here. Revelation chapter three, verse three. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Notice where it says, therefore, if you don't wake up, wake up, meaning like if you don't get on board, if you don't get with it, if you don't get in alignment with the word of God, with the words I have spoken unto you, if you don't make the decision to to get on the right path. He's saying he's going to come like a thief in the night. You ain't going to know when he coming. And he's going to catch you off guard. That's a warning. Next and f- last. So f- the final passage here is from Revelation again. And it's also in ch- chapter 3. This time verse 19. And it says, those whom I love. I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Amen. Guys, that's the end of my scriptures and passages for this message. So um, I'm going to go ahead and share with you guys a little bit about my testimony. Guys, it is the hour that you return to Christ if you haven't already. And I want you to know that you can do this in the privacy of your home. 
You can do this in the privacy of your home and without cash apping anyone. You don't need Venmo. You don't need cash app. You don't need Zelle. All you need is a broken heart, a repented heart, a sincere heart. I suggest fasting as well. Here's my testimony. I know when I came back to the Lord starting in uh it was actually the summer of 2020 I'll never forget it because it was my my life changed forever my life changed forever as a result of this of of what I did in in the in that during that summer um up until that point for those of you that don't know I was definitely a lukewarm Christian um so I was on my way to hell I was I was I was doing what I wanted to do and I included the Lord when I felt like it, when I felt like it benefited me or when I needed something from him Um, or, and that included his protection. So, you know, that thing where you pray before you get on a plane, um, when you pray before you drive or do something that is, it, it, it brings, it provokes fear and you begin to pray knowing you ain't... <laughs> Knowing you just finished doing something you have no business doing and it goes completely and utterly against the word of God and you know it and you still did it for the 50th time. (laughs) And that could be anything, fill in the blank. It could be sex outside of marriage. It could be smoking. It could be drinking, getting drunk. It could be doing drugs. It could be cussing somebody out, fighting. I don't know, fill in the blank. Everybody got their thing. Everybody struggle with something. But my point is, you know what's wrong and it's something, you know. Anyway, I was very much spearheading a a, a very lukewarm uh, lifestyle as it pertained to my relationship or lack thereof (laughs) with uh, with Jesus. So fast forward to 2020, I basically had enough of it Um, that double-mindedness took its toll on my I couldn't function I, I I was very um when I say I couldn't function I mean like I had reached a breaking point where I was just very uncomfortable um I didn't know what direction to go in as regarded my career the things I was going to do in life and uh, not only that but emotionally I was a very unstable which guys, those are symptoms of a double mind. I know society likes to come up with really <laughs> fancy uh, medical terms that are rooted in Latin. <laughs> so that way they could come up with some more medicine to give you and that you could pay for. But guys, it's all spiritual. It really, truly is. Just get right with the Lord and watch how all that stuff will dissipate. But anyway. I was double-minded, I was double-minded and I was unstable in all of my ways. Just like the Bible talk about a double-minded man being unstable. That's, that was me. Okay. That was me. And I had enough and I decided, all right, I already know what, cause I grew up in the church for the most part, for the most of part of my like adolescent years, I, I grew up in the church and I knew I had some word in me. I had some understanding, you know what I mean? Um, and I knew enough to know if I'm going to do this for real, the Lord, (laughs) we're dealing with a God that can see all things. I'm going to have to come correct. 
And I'm, I'm very much one of those people that it's all or nothing, all or nothing. I'm not about wasting my time. And, uh, so I decided I'm going on the Daniel fast. I went on the 21 day fast. This was, was again, uh, this was back in 2020, the summer of 2020. I specifically chose the Daniel fast because I had never up until that point, I had never fasted for that, um, for that long for 21 days consecutively. So that was to show the Lord like and myself, but mainly it was a demonstration to the Lord to be like, look, God, I'm for real. And I really need you to show up right now in my life. I need you. I want to see you. I want to experience you. I, I need a move. So I wanted to do something, what I consider was something big. And that was for me, it was 21 days. I have yet to do a 40 day fast guys. But 21 days, um, just all vegetables, everything that was that was grown out of the earth was what I ate basically for those 21 days. And I prayed. I made a point to pray and I met with God. I set aside dedicated time with just me and the Lord in privacy behind closed doors and by myself. Okay, where I knew I could focus and where I, and plus, guys, that's how it's supposed to be anyway. Okay, but anyway, the Lord met me in the first three days. <laughs> he met me in the first three days of that fast. Um, miraculous things happened in the first three days of that fast. I lie to you not, I'll never, ever, for as long as I live, I'll never forget it. Looking back on it, I was definitely delivered. I was definitely delivered. A deliverance took place and healing took place on the floor of the bedroom um, during one of my prayer sessions. I just began to cry out with just this loud, just painful moaning and crying, crying, crying. And looking back, here's the thing. I have to be honest with you guys. I wasn't, wasn't conscious at the time until uh, months, months later. And I began to get the language for about listening to other ministers and apostles and evangelist people who are wiser than me and have more knowledge, biblical knowledge, and revel- they just have more revelation about certain, you know, scriptures and uh, experiences than I did at the time. And so I began to get some understanding about what was happening. I was, and I look back on it now and I'm like, okay, that was deliverance. And it made sense because I felt, because everything they explained was basically what I had went through. I was like, oh yeah, okay. That's, that's what that was. Because during the time when I was crying out to God, I was crying out to him. I felt like I was going to throw up. And I was face down lying prostrate at one point. I was lying prostrate. I was crying out to the Lord and I felt something like I literally was gagging. Something was coming out of me, but I didn't think of it like that. I thought about, I was just like, why am I, why is all this happening? Right? Because I just look at it like I'm praying. I was speaking in tongues and I was praying and then it just like, I felt the presence of the Lord just hit me and I just was laid out coughing and I felt like I was going to throw up and I'm like, and then, but when it's, I, when I was finished praying and I, I got back up or whatever, I felt fine. I felt like a weight was lifted off of me and I felt 
lighter. And of course, I was grateful to the Lord. He met me exactly where I was in that moment. And he just took over and completely gave me a new mind, a brand new heart. Suddenly I had different desires. Like my desires were pure. I don't, I hope some of you understand where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that from that moment on, I never committed any mistakes or I never made any mistakes and I was just completely flawless. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying though is anything I was struggling with, if there was any addictions or anything I was struggling with at that time, anything I didn't want to let go of, suddenly it was easy for me to let go of it. Like I felt a burden on my heart to let that thing go and it's going to be fine. And so I let it go and it was fine. (laughs) And like, I just had new desires all of a sudden and they just happened to be holy desires. They happened to be pure desires. You know what I'm saying? So I knew then it was the Holy Spirit. I was filled up with the Holy Spirit. That's what that was. And he, and and the renewing of my mind and, and the purified heart that I was given that's what caused my my thinking to to change and my desires to change. That's why it talks about in the Bible. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask what you want and you'll have it. Guys, that's because the Lord knows if you have the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside of you and you're abiding within the body of Christ, your desires, you're not going to be asking for any wicked desires, not going to be asking of anything that is not in alignment with the word of God. So he's just like, yeah, you can have whatever it is you whatever you desire. Amen. So yeah, guys, that's, uh, just to summarize, that is my testimony personally. Uh, after, after I received deliverance and healing in my renewed mind and heart, and I was baptized all over again with the Holy Spirit. I, uh, I had a dream. I want to say it was on the third night. Yeah. I remembered specifically thinking to myself, whoa, that was fast. Like, Wow. Okay, Lord, let's go. And as soon as my head hit the pillow that night, like my eyes weren't even closed for long. Guys, and I have this dream. Oh my gosh. I had this vision. Well, I don't know if it's a dream or a vision. I felt like it was happening right. I, I felt just like I'm talking to you right now. I felt it was just as real. And uh, anyway, the Lord showed me a lot of things. I'm not going to get into that. That's personal. But I will say that he spoke to me. He confirmed some things to me, some prophecies I had received since I was a child that he was going to do in my life. And he just, um, he, he revealed himself to me in a new way and showed me who I am in the spirit. I'll just put it like that. And the things that he called me to do. And that changed my life moving forward, I was never the same. I mean, as you can imagine, but guys, I didn't pay not one cent to any minister or evangelist, apostle or preacher or pastor to, to have that encounter with the Lord. I just had a broken heart that was sincerely open to the Lord. I was sincerely broken hearted due to my own sin and filth and I taught and I asked the Lord to change me come into my heart change me I'm nothing 
I, I repent. I confess everything I did X, Y, and Z was wrong. I, I'm, please forgive me for X, Y, Z. Just start confessing. And guys, mind you, I didn't even, all these passages, I was familiar with some of these, but I didn't, all the ones I read, I wasn't familiar with all of these at that time. I didn't consciously necessarily have them in my mind and wasn't going down the list like, okay, let me make sure I do that. It was just some, guys, you'll notice this too. And I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to close after this because I'm well over an hour at this point. So I'm gonna, I need to hurry up. But something you'll notice when you have a sincere heart that is repentant and you, once you truly humble yourself, there's something that happens in that space it you you will un like without even thinking about it you'll begin to do the things that are mentioned here how daniel how daniel cried out um confessing sins and just being brokenhearted over things that had happened and over the disobedience and over all these things and just he had sack sackcloth and ashes and he was just again showing this the deep sorrow that he felt and here's the thing guys it's not your actions it's what's actually happening in your heart okay the lord doesn't care about all the tears if you're if really your heart is still guarded and closed up and tight and you still for real he can see right through you and you don't feel no no sort of regret about nothing he ain't gonna be able to do nothing with that because you still, you, there's nothing, what, what can he do with that? Think about it. You, you know, that don't even make sense. <laughs> so it's, it's when you present yourself, like, that's why I love Joel so much, you guys. And that's exactly before I even knew Joel chapter two, verse 12, before I knew that passage, that is what exactly what I did. Because I was sincere about it. And I know there are people around the world who do this every day. And I thank God that they're doing it even now as they return to God. They may not even be familiar with this passage, but because of the sincerity of their heart posture. So because of the sincerity of their repentance, because of their heart heart posture, automatically they are fulfilling Joel 2.12, where it says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning guys that's what I was that's exactly what I did and that is how I got results that is how I got delivered that's how I got set free because I came correct there is a way that you have to present yourselves guys if you want to get deliverance and having said that no matter how much money you spend with whomever you go to spend it with if you don't really, if your heart is not in the right place to get that healing, to get that deliverance, to get it, it's just not, I'm hesitant to say you'll get results. I, I, I hesitate to say you, you will get any results because I, I mean, it's just not in scripture. You have to have your heart in the right place. You have to have some faith and your heart has to be in the right place. So at the level, and I'm going to close with on this note, guys, whatever level you, you're at in terms of your, your regretfulness, if I can say that, um, your repentance, your state of uh, regret and mourning and weeping and fasting, whatever, that's where God, that's the level God going to meet you at. So if it's non-existent, well, you, you already know what your results going to look like. <laughs> and if you just got a little bit, 
Well, but if you come wholeheartedly, brokenhearted, just throw yourself out on the ground. That's the whole point. Why? That's why you ought to be by yourself. You don't need to be concerned about what nobody else got to say. Anyway, it's between you and God. Y'all better do it before it's too late for your salvation's sake. You better do it before it's too late. Not only don't let's just think about that, though, guys. Think about the relationship that you were always meant to have with our creator and with Jesus. Think about all the wonderful things that you're missing out on every day that goes by that you don't bow your knee and cry out to the Lord and turn from your wicked ways. Every day that you refuse to bow your knee to God, know you bow your knee to something else. And just know it's for the enemy because it's only two sides. You either love one and hate the other, love one and worship one, all the while completely despise the other. So the Lord is saying you can't have it both ways. You have to love one and hate the other. You have to worship one and despise the other. So what does that mean to say? If you're not worshiping Jesus, if you're not bowing your knee to the Lord, then you're worshiping Satan. You're bowing your knee to Satan. No, that doesn't mean you're going to a seance on Friday nights and sacrificing a goat. I don't know, drinking goat blood. That's not what I'm trying to say. Guys, the enemy is smarter than that. No, what you're doing is still talking to that man you were supposed to be stopped talking to. Or still drinking and getting drunk. You're supposed to have been put the bottle down. That's your addiction. Addiction, that's your God. That's what you that's what you bow your knee to. That's what you submit to. You submit to the thing that you obey. So if you can't stop sleeping with him, it must be because you submitted to him. And it doesn't necessarily have to be submitted to him per se, but more so the spirit, the demon that's in, that's in him, or, the, or rather I should say the demon that's in you, that you submitted to. That demon that's taking you for a ride. That unclean spirit, it just has to be quenched. And it keeps taking you on the same ride over and over again. That's your God. That's where, that's where your knee is, is bent. That's where your knee is bowed. I'm just saying, guys, it's not always going to look like going to a seance. I know a lot of people keep thinking that, okay, you're not reading tarot cards. You're not going to psychics. You're not going to seance. So you're not a devil worshiper or you're not... I get it. That, that, that's not the whole truth, though, guys. Not according to the Bible. Anyway, I could honestly talk on and on. And I was supposed to have been left like 15 minutes ago or 20 minutes ago. So let me just leave right now. Um, thank you guys for listening. I really pray and hope that this blessed you. Please give me a like, you guys. Don't forget to follow um, and subscribe. If you like messages like this. Uh, please follow the podcast please subscribe to the channel and i will catch you guys next time thanks again for tuning in may god bless you all